Welcome to episode number 233. Today's episode, we are going to be diving into one of my favorite topics because it's made a huge difference in my garden since I started doing it. But it also tends to be a topic that people have a lot of questions around and want to learn more about doing. And that, my friend, is the topic of using crop rotation in your backyard vegetable garden, including raised beds and container bed gardening, as well as in-ground gardening. But first, let me officially welcome you to the Pioneering Today podcast. I'm your host, Melissa K. Norris, best-selling author of three books, including my newest book, The Family Garden Plan, which I'm going to be sharing a lot of the information straight from The Family Garden Plan with you here today. I'm also the founder of the Pioneering Today Academy, which heads up, I've got some exciting news about that that you're not going to want to miss out on as well as the founder and blogger at melissaknorris.com. And I am so thrilled that you are here because no matter which way you may have found me and connected, or if you're just finding this podcast, all of those places is where we are about learning how to create a homegrown and handmade life, giving you the clear steps for gardening, food preservation, cooking from scratch, natural medicine, and the traditional skill sets and wisdom to create the life you want for your family and homestead, no matter what size or where your homestead is. A few weeks ago, I was teaching an online live web class or webinar. Sometimes they're called master classes or webinar, but basically the same thing, sharing the secrets that have really helped me increase my vegetable and fruit production without spending hours more, sometimes actually less time in the garden and without increasing my gardening space. And one of the subjects that we were talking about, so if you were on that live class, then you have already learned some of this. And if not, I will be doing some more live teaching in February when we open up for enrollment within the Pioneering Today Academy. But one of the topics that we were talking about and the reason that I'm doing an episode on this is because it's probably the one that I had the most questions come through while I was doing this live teaching, and that is crop rotation. Crop rotation oftentimes I think feels a little bit intimidating or a little bit confusing or overwhelming to people, but it's really easy to break down. And that's my goal to break it down for you in today's episode. So crop rotation is simply rotating the type of crops. So by plant family to different areas of soil so that you avoid depleting the soil of specific nutrients and also decreasing disease. When you do crop rotation properly, you improve both the health of the plants and the health of your soil, which you know if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, that I constantly preach how important soil health is to everything in your garden. Now, ideally, you don't want to plant the same plant family or plant type, and I'm going to give you those four main plant types when we're talking about crop rotation specifically in just a moment. But you don't want to plant the same plant family or plant type in the same soil for at least three years or by planting season. 
So what I mean by that is if you are just planting one crop a year, if you're just doing a regular annual summer vegetable garden, which is what a lot of people do, then you would use this information on a yearly basis because that's when you're planting. But if you're like me and you do seasonal succession garden planting, so I'm planting crops in the early spring, I'm doing a regular summer vegetable garden, and then I'm also doing fall winter crops, and I do it all in my same in-ground vegetable gardening, as well as some of my container plants. So this works no matter which way you're doing it, if you're doing it seasonally with different crops and or if you are doing it yearly. But when you follow this order, it helps the soil rebuild the nutrients specific plants use and it cuts back on the chance of disease. The reason that this works, and we'll get into it a little bit more nitty gritty, is many plants are susceptible to the same pests and diseases. And by rotating the crops, you are reducing the risk of contamination. Now, I need to preface this. And like I said, if you have the book, I am actually reading from it, my own book, reading to give you this podcast episode on page 202. But for crop rotation to work at its best, we are assuming that your soil is free of disease already and that it already has a good base of all the major macro and micronutrients as well as pH level. So that's more about soil testing and building your soil and the components of good and healthy soil. We're already assuming coming into this that that's already at an ideal or a really good level. And if you didn't catch any of those episodes on soil health and testing, you can go back. I would encourage you to listen to this episode first, but you can go back. I've covered this in quite a few different episodes, but you can check out specifically episode number 200, how to improve the health of your garden soil, as well as episode number 135, how to test soil pH and amend acidic or alkaline soil. To snag the links, resources, and or the written blog post for this episode, you can go to melissaknorris.com forward slash 233 because this is episode number 233. So it's just the number 233. So the four main plant types for crop rotation. First up, we have our leaf classification. In this, we are including brassicas, things like cabbage, broccoli, kale, Brussels sprouts, what we call coal crops, other leafy crops like lettuce, greens, spinach, and herbs. And even though these aren't technically a leaf crop per se, but corn and potatoes, because they are heavy nitrogen feeders, so I include them in with the leaf classification. Basically, our leaf classification is the plants that require the most or are really heavy nitrogen dependent or heavy nitrogen feeders. Second classification we have is fruit. Now, I'm not talking about actual fruit like berries and apple trees and that type of thing. Those are a fruit. But when we're talking about crop rotation with our annuals, which is what this is, not, not really with perennials, because your perennials, you're not moving them. You're not rotating them to different areas. They ideally are planted once in the proper place, and then they stay there. So this is in reference to annuals. But what I mean by the fruit classification is any plant where the blossom turns into the edible crop, we're considering that a fruit. Now, 
all plants require a certain level of nitrogen, but not all of them require the same amount. So that's why our first classification, leaf, heavy nitrogen feeders. The second class, fruit, these ones don't require as much nitrogen because too much nitrogen turns into lots of leaves and green luscious growth instead of harvestable fruit and or vegetable production. Now, going back to those micro and macronutrients, when I was referencing soil health, of course, nitrogen is one of them, and that's for our leaf feeders. And then, like we said, we need a lesser level for fruit, which is why we have it follow when we're planting in the ground. We have it follow the leafy ones because they've taken the most nitrogen, but they've left some in the soil. So we're following it with the fruit so that they don't have too much. But in those micro macronutrients, we also have things like phosphorus. Phosphorus is important nutrient for your bud and root development, but it's not quite as important for root crops. Again, they all need some base levels of these nutrient levels, but not as much. So we have the fruiting go before our root crops in this rotation. Uh, one, it rhymes, so it makes it easier to remember when you're trying to do it quick and out in the garden, but also because it helps each plant have the optimal level of these macro and micronutrients that it needs to perform the best. So in our fruiting class, you're going to have your vegetables like cucumbers, eggplants, melons, peppers, summer squash, tomatoes, winter squash. Remember anything that forms a blossom and then that blossom is what actually forms into the edible part that we're eating. The third one is your roots. Roots follow the leaves and then the fruiting because they don't require as much nitrogen or as much phosphorus, but they're heavy feeders on potassium. Now, the other reason that we do it like this is because potassium takes longer to be available in the soil for the plant to be able to use it and to suck it up. So this is also why it's in the third position. Roots are pretty self-explanatory, but crops in this class, if you're digging it up to harvest it, meaning you're eating the part that grows beneath the ground, that's considered a root crop. Beets, carrots, garlic, onion, radish, rutabaga, turnip, you get the picture. Then the fourth one we've got in our crop rotation is your beans and peas. So in the legume family. The reason that we have these coming in lastly is because by this point, the crops that you have done have most likely used the all the nitrogen that's available in the soil. Beans and peas help. They don't actually create nitrogen, but they help fix nitrogen back into the soil through their root system. Contrary to popular belief, like I said, they don't actually create the nitrogen, but if the rhizobium bacteria is present, then their roots have nodules on them that host this bacteria and then release it into the soil so that it's available for the other plants to use. And we end this progression, these four different crop types, with the beans and the peas because at this point there is not a whole lot of nitrogen left. And so these plants are going to help to restore it. Now with and doing crop rotation, we are still going to be adding in your different soil amendments. So even though over a four-year period or a couple years, depending on how I, what crops I'm putting in, during my different seasons, I'm still yearly adding in compost and manure, and I'm still adding in these items to my soil. But by doing that, in addition to using this crop rotation, I'm also helping keep my soil levels based on the crops. 
those different macro and micronutrients at the best level that they can be for that specific crop. Now, we've kind of covered here in our basis more about the classifications and how and why they use specific nutrients and why they go in this rotation. And in any given crop plot, you want to rotate in this order. So if you haven't been doing crop rotation before, then wherever you had the fruiting plants planted last year, you're going to want to follow that with a root crop this next planting season. When you harvest the roots, then you want to plant in its place something from the legume family. And then after the beans and the peas, then you're going to put in your brassicas there. So you can see how this works seasonally or how it works yearly or annually. Now, we need to cover a few other key parts to this. Because within these plant families, we do have some crops that should never follow one another. My hard and fast rules are that your brassicas, so cabbage, broccoli, kale, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, any of those, because they use so much nitrogen from the soil, that I make sure that I have at least a couple of years, not just seasons, but a couple of years between planting them in the same soil. The other one, and this is where this disease portion really helps with our crop rotation, is anything in the, and I did not take French, so please forgive me if I'm butchering the pronunciation of this, but the Latin Solanaceae family, which is going to be tomatoes, potatoes, peppers, and eggplant. We want to make sure that we have at least three years in between these going in the same soil because they are all susceptible to the same diseases and they can pass disease to one another. So if you planted tomatoes and they were to get blight or they had blight and then you plant a pepper there the next year, it's going to get the blight too. And so you're continually feeding that blight or that bacteria and or fungus and it's present in the soil. And so every time if you were to plant something else in there, like a brassica or an onion, a root or even a pea or a bean, they don't get those same diseases. And so that what's in the soil, that disease wouldn't be feeding. And so it wouldn't be replicated and growing and staying in the soil. You would be starving it out if you practice that three-year rotation before you put anything else in that family in the same soil. So when I'm looking at crop rotation, because sometimes, especially if you've got just a few raised beds, you're like, well, how am I going to do this? Because I don't have enough space and I want to be growing tomatoes every year to, to really follow this exact crop rotation. So I kind of have a few... Uh, golden rules, so to speak, with crop rotation, and then some areas where I'll bend. So my hard and fast golden rules is I never follow tomatoes with potatoes or peppers or tomatoes again in the same soil if it's out in the open. What I mean by this, because I get asked this a lot, and it's a great question. I have an off-grid greenhouse or high tunnel where I plant my tomatoes and my peppers. So it was virgin soil when we put the greenhouse up, meaning it had never had anything on it other than pasture. It was just pasture out where the cows were. And then we moved and 
put our house on this part that used to always be pasture land. So that particular piece of soil, when I put the tomatoes and peppers in there and it was covered by the greenhouse, had never had any disease there. And because it was covered, tomatoes and peppers are very, usually it's blight, especially where I live that they're most susceptible to disease wise, because it's been covered the whole time and they've never, ever had any of those diseases. I take a gamble each year and I actually replant my tomatoes in my greenhouse soil again. Now, if you listen to the previous episode number 231, you know that we're planning on moving and rotating our greenhouse this year to new soil. So that soil will now become open. And so I won't plant tomatoes in it. I will put something else in that spot. Probably do my onions there this year. But that is the only environment that I would ever do that in. I would never do it in an open garden bed that is not covered in an enclosed area like a high tunnel or a greenhouse. And if there was any sign of disease, then I would need to rotate out and not plant back in there. The other hard and fast rule I follow is with the brassicas, just because they take so much nitrogen out of the soil. One, I don't want to deplete my soil of nitrogen, but two, I know if I plant something else that's in that leaf family right after a brassica, there's not going to be enough nitrogen in there. And likely, even if I were to heavily feed it, it still wouldn't have time for the nitrogen to break down and to be available that close back to back. And then I would suffer and I wouldn't have a very good producing crop simply because it didn't have the right nutrient levels. Now, if you want to amend and do a soil test each time you plant, then you can do that. But because I'm putting in three crops a year, I am not going to soil test and amend that often in between. So it just works easier for me to just follow that rule. Now, where you have a little bit of leeway is... I don't really worry about it if I need to plant a root crop and it technically a fruit crop should go there instead. So what I mean by that is so if I have my kale or my Brussels sprouts in an area of the garden and I need to be putting in my garlic or my onions or maybe a bed, a row of beets, even though technically I should be following it with a squash or a fruiting plant, I'm really not that worried about it. And I'm just going to if I need that space to follow what I need succession planting wise, and I need the spot to put my root crops in, I'm going to go ahead and put my root crops in. I really don't care. And it doesn't make like that much of a difference. So don't stress out about it. Because like I've said in past episodes, you have ideal and then you have, I need this to work right now for me. So I don't really worry about, like I said, interchanging the fruit and the roots as long as I am not putting in a potato where a tomato had been, because that would be potatoes are technically a root crop, right? And your tomato is a fruiting crop, as long as those aren't following one another. And I have inside the family garden plan, if you haven't snagged your copy yet, you definitely want to get a copy because I have this broken down into really easy to use diagrams and charts. And I have a full crop rotation chart, which goes in alphabetical order by the plant family name. So you can just quickly look and say, okay, carrots, It's a crop rotation type of a root. Is it a light feeder? Is it a heavy feeder? And so you can easily identify what classification each individual crop is and know what it needs nutrient-wise to help you dial in your crop rotation even easier and faster for your garden. I also have a bonus 
So if you've already ordered your copy, thank you so much. Oh my goodness, you guys, reading the reviews and how much it's going to help you and has already helped you as you're planning out your garden and beginning to construct new beds has been amazing. I cannot wait to see all of the homegrown food that is going in this year. But once you order your book or if you pre-ordered it, I've got bonuses. So if you go to familygardenplan.com, one, you'll see all the different places that you can order the book. But two, there's a button that says claim bonuses. Click on that or just go to the bottom of the page. And there's a form where you pop your name, your email and your receipt and or order number. Some online sources call it an order number. Some say receipt number. But whatever that number is, pop it into that form and you get immediate access to my crop rotation video teaching as well as companion planting teaching and a detailed organic amendment guide that walks you through amending your soil organically so that it's in tip-top shape for you to begin your crop rotation. Now, last week, if you listened to episode number 232, you heard me talk about a very special wait list that you are going to want to get on in regards to the Pioneering Today Academy and some special goodies that only come to those who are on that wait list. So you're waiting to be notified when we open up the doors for open enrollment to the Pioneering Today Academy again, which is happening February 19th of 2020. We have not been open to new members since last summer. So if you have been waiting, I know many of you have been waiting to get inside you definitely want to get on this wait list. You are going to get some special bonuses, some special resources, and more information as we get closer to that open enrollment period. So to get on that list, this is the first place I have announced it. Go to melissaknorris.com forward slash academy and you will see a special area there to sign up and get on that wait list and then check your emails because I have got some good things coming your way, my friend. I hope that you found today's episode helpful and I can't wait to hear about how you are using crop rotation in your garden this year so that you have less disease, hallelujah, and a larger, healthier harvest. Thank you so much for joining me, you guys, and I cannot wait to be back here with you this Friday. Thank you.